0: Welcome to NRCM's podcast, Frontline Voices. My name is Carly Perruccio, and this week, we have three episodes to share with you as part of a series on land for Maine's future. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Tim Glidden He's the president of the Maine Coast Heritage Trust and he was one of the two co-chairs of the Land Conservation Task Force. For some reference, uh, the task force has met throughout the past year to talk about the future of land conservation in Maine. And the task force recently released a final report with one of its recommendations being to support the Land for Maine's Future program and Maine State Park System through a bond package. In this episode, Tim talks about the reasons he's excited about the task force and its recommendations. Here's my conversation with Tim.
1: My name is Tim Glidden, I'm currently the president of Maine Coast Heritage Trust. It's been my pleasure and honor to work on this task force.
0: Well thanks so much for this. We'd like to give listeners a sense of what the Land Conservation Task Force is. You are one of the co-chairs along with David Trahan of the Sportsmen's Alliance of Maine. So what actually is the task force?
1: So the task force is composed of 20 individuals from around the state. And we created this task force, uh, David and I and some folks at the Nature Conservancy, because it's been more than 20 years since Maine citizens had had a chance to think about the state of our conserved lands, and we wanted to take stock of where we are, what we've accomplished, and what kind of needs we have going forward.
0: And so when you say it's been 20 years, has there been something like the task force before?
1: There was an effort um, started by Governor King, I believe, back in the late 90s. And then at the very, very beginning of Land for Futures' existence, there was a legislative committee that was established that led to the creation of LMF.
0: Sure. And so you mentioned that there were 20 individuals on the, on the task force. What kind of perspectives did you want to have as part of this conversation?
1: Well, we wanted to have as broad a cross-section of Maine citizens as we could possibly get. Mm-hmm. So we have, it's a very diverse group, bipartisan, Republicans and Democrats. That's always been a calling card, really, of the Land for Main Future program. Um, We looked for people with experience in the working lands of the state, sportsmen, teachers, students, municipal officials, economic development. We also, because we couldn't make the group be like 50 people, we also invited in a series of experts who filled in sectors that we couldn't Touch with our membership, and so we had folks from public health involved, and we had folks representing really the immigrant community. And so we tried to cover as many bases as possible, understanding just how diverse Maine is.
0: What led to that choice?
1: Conservation in Maine has always really tried to be about all of the people in Maine, it has not been something which is just for the few, and so from you know, the earliest land trusts up and down the coast to the creation of Baxter State Park. Conserved land and the folks who've been working on that have always been thinking about, you know, what do the people of, do all the people of Maine need? And so if we're going to revisit that question, we figured we really need to go out and listen to as many of those people as we could. And so in addition to everything I've described already, we also held a series of public listening sessions, and we had, I think, more than 200 people showing up to offer comments. The um, recommendations were posted, and we've received many, many written comments on that. So we're confident that we have heard from many folks all across this state And we hope that we have reflected that in the recommendations that we've made to the new governor and the legislature.
0: And so before we talk about the recommendations, if I'm understanding what you're saying, it's been like 20 years since there was a conversation like this to have a group to think about the future of land conservation. And you just said that one of your questions was, what do the people of Maine need through conservation? What are some other questions that the task force was considering? Or what other issues were you hoping to understand from the process?
1: Well, I think the best way to answer that is to look at the recommendations themselves, in a sense, because the the recommendations speak to the issues that surfaced during that process. We didn't know all the questions that we might need to ask. That's kind of part of listening. And so the action items, there are 22 action items. They fall into six different areas. And just to briefly recap those areas, it was clear that we needed to pay attention to taking care of the conserved lands that we already have and that's state parks, it's privately conserved lands, it's everything. Um, we also needed to create going forward more opportunities for the people of Maine to establish their own direct connections to the land, and so we've made recommendations there. We clearly needed to revive funding for the Land for Maine's Future Program, and so that is a you know one of the core recommendations is a su- substantial new bond. We also came to realize that we needed to work with the landowners who own the millions of acres of private lands that are open to the people of Maine, free of charge, and, you know, essentially on the honor system. That generosity needs to be thanked, and, so, and, and taken care of. And so there's a set of recommendations around that. We clearly need to deal with the challenges of the changing climate, Poses to the state of Maine, both in adaptation and to the extent that we can, uh, combating those changes. And then finally, we also need to ensure that conserved lands, wherever possible, have a direct benefit to both the economy and the well being of communities throughout the state. So you put all that together, I mean, it was, we covered a lot of ground, and I'm deeply appreciative to the task force members of all the work that they invested in putting that together. We covered many, many topics.
0: Absolutely. And just hearing you mention those six topics, I mean, we could have an hour-long conversation about each one. We could, easily. So I think I'll, I'd like to focus on LMF, in part because I think it actually relates to a few different takeaways that you mentioned. And I'd like to help listeners just understand what LMF is. I'm sure lots of folks are already familiar, but could you talk about what what is LMF? You've been involved in the program for a long time.
1: Not to be mysterious to the listeners, I ran the Land for Maine's Future program for 10 years before I came to Maine Coast Heritage Trust and was somewhat involved way back at the beginning because I worked for the state legislature in the 80s. You know, LMF really has always been the people's program for land conservation. And the board is composed of a majority, the majority of the board, I should say, is composed of private citizens. There's six out of nine. Um, it has historically been apolitical um, and very proud of that fact. It has been responsive to the needs of all parts of the state. There have been projects in all 16 counties uh, and the people of Maine have responded um, to that. It has always had very broad support Um, when LMF bonds have been out to the public, frequently uh, winning in all 16 counties and always winning with substantial majorities. Uh, it's, It's a very popular program and I would say another strength of the LMF program over that period of time has been that it's adapted, so where it initially was conserving lands that were basically going to be state parks or public reserve lands only held by the state, it then um, expanded to work with partners throughout the state, so that land trusts and towns could be involved, and that led to a whole other wave of conservation. It also um, embraced the need to conserve working lands and expanded to create a strong focus on working farmlands, working forests, and more. More recently, working waterfront really. That just reflects, I think, the commonly understood need, the connection, I should say, between the working, the lands of the state and the economic well-being of so many people in Maine whose living really depends on the access to and the quality of the lands and waters of the state.
0: Could you give some examples of significant LMF projects or ones that stand out to you and walk people through how the program actually works?
1: So the process is... A competitive, open process. The board establishes priorities and criteria to describe the kinds of projects they're looking for. And then they have an open call and any eligible organization, basically an organization that does conservation work, a state agency, a town, a land trust, organizations like that, can bring forward proposals. Those are evaluated by the LMF board and staff and scored and ranked. There's a matching requirement that provides that every applicant's going to bring at least as much money to the table as they are asking for from the state. Dollar for dollar, over time the program has actually done much better than that. And I, the last time I looked, the LMF dollars were matched with something in the order of three dollars of value. So it's really been a very cost-effective program sure. for the people of the state. We've brought a lot of federal dollars in and a lot of private philanthropy in there. That's the sort of basics of the process. When I think about projects that would just be good examples, and there really are so many, so sure. I hope nobody is offended if their favorite project is not <laughs> mentioned, um, I think of a couple of large working forest easements and working forest acquisition projects, one around Baxter State Park that was several hundreds of thousands of acres, really a groundbreaking project, uh, then another project along those lines, in Washington County, with the Downey Lakes Land Trust, that has created the core of an amazing complex of conserved lands inland Washington County. You know, another very different kind of project would be with the Port Clyde Fishermen's Co op, where a really entrepreneurial group of fishermen who had already formed their own co op needed capital to invest in the facility itself to make sure that it would deal with rising sea levels that it would be ready for the next generation of fishermen, and also make sites available for fishermen who might not be part of the co-op. The folks who were working on that did a spectacular job in Port Clyde. We also worked on a project, um, an ecological project, that protected more than 50 miles of river corridor, undeveloped river corridor, on the Machias River. I mean, really Mm -hmm. one of the spectacular um, and really less known rivers in the state, a little smaller, a little further away, but really dramatic, beautiful, beautiful place, and ecologically very, very significant. And then finally, the example I'd throw in, another example I'd throw in would be right across the river from where we're sitting today in Brunswick, the Crystal Spring Farm by the Brunswick Tops and Land Trust has become a a site of a farmer's market that generates gross volume of over a million dollars a year for local farmers who are bringing in their wares. And the farm itself is also the site of a community-supported agriculture operation, as well as having miles of recreational trails. So it's really a wonderful integration of agriculture, farming benefit, community benefit, and, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful spot. And I could go on.
0: I mean, that's a really good list of some of the examples, and it's a pretty nice surprise when you're looking at the list of all of the places that have been protected in part through LMF, and then you realize, oh my gosh, this place that I really love going to has been yes. supported through LMF. But you know, you mentioned Port Clyde, and one of the notes from the, the task force's report is that through LMF's matching requirement, it sort of opens the door for possibilities for maybe smaller organizations, which is something to think about, or maybe smaller land trusts.
1: Well, what I've observed both while I was at LMF and since has been that the LMF Grant, it's almost, I mean, almost by definition, it's never the majority of the funding for the project because of the matching requirement. But it's even more typically, you know, 25% say of the project. But the LMF grant is kind of, I think of it sort of as a, you know, good housekeeping seal of approval on a project. And it's a statement that this is a special place, it's a special project, it's gone through a rigorous process. And that's proven to have a lot of appeal to private donors who say, oh, you know, this is something big. I need to get on board with this. Right. And so that's, I think, been a real plus that's helped, as you said, smaller land trusts get access to philanthropic dollars as well as state dollars that they might not have otherwise been able to raise.
0: And I'll return to the task force report. What led the task force to conclude that now is the right time for a reinvestment in LMF? To just be clear for anyone listening, the task force is recommending a bond package together with $75 million over the course of five years Correct. for Land for Maine's future, and then $20 million for state parks, maintenance, infrastructure, and repairs.
1: The reason why we, when you put those two things together, thought now was the time to go big, was that you know, it has been more than six years since um, LMF had any new funding it's been much longer than that since there's been a substantial basic investment in state parks infrastructure and we just felt that there was a backlog of need that we are looking at a growing set of challenges in the state that I described earlier where land conservation is part of the response and that we just needed a substantial investment and that our state parks Which are really the anchors of a lot of economic activity in this state, which depends so heavily on outdoor recreation and tourism, and that our state parks were looking a little threadbare, and we needed, you know, we needed to make an investment. So between those two things, we just felt this was the time to go big. Um, We think there there's the appetite for that. I should say, just might be a little bit in the weeds, but. This is a proposal, the land for means future, $75 is spread out over five years, or proposed to do that. You know, this is not just kind of throwing money at it. This is to get a program up and going again, which has really, unfortunately, stalled over the past eight years. And we want to make sure that program is up and going, and people can start planning around that again. And we think over time, over the next 10 years, you would see just really strong benefits for the state of
0: Maine. What do you think might be possible for the LMF program with, you know, $75 million over the course of five years? What might that mean for the state?
1: We think there's a lot of ground to cover. There are a number of working waterfront sites which we are concerned um, would be lost to some kind of conversion to other uses that would constrain our fishing industry. There is a huge amount of farmland acreage that's going to be changing hands over the next 10 to 20 years, just generationally, and there's an opportunity there to conserve key lands. We also think that there are opportunities closer to where people actually live where investments in, it could be trails, parks, you know, smaller parks and amenities within communities that would give us the ch- That's when I was talking about people connecting to the land where that's gonna be so important. We're very concerned that generations beyond ours are losing that sense of connection to the land. And the only way really to continue that or to strengthen that is for people to have a direct physical experience outdoor. If They don't have that, you know, if they have to travel too far, it won't happen. And so while we do think that there are still important needs for conservation um, in the more remote corners of the state, we think a substantial investment where the people in the state live would yield really important multi-generational benefits.
0: I think what I'm hearing you say is that a significant LMF bond can support a lot of different types of land conservation in Maine. That's right. That's, that's pretty exciting. That's
1: and I should add one other thing in there, which is Mainers have always really valued their access to the waters of the state, both fresh and salt. And because, of course, development tends to focus on shorelines, those are the most appealing places, the access to the waterfront is being lost over time. And so even though there's not big acreage, the Land for Me's Future Water Access Program is really important you know, that's going to be a very high benefit. Clammers, fishermen making a living, but also people who just are recreating and wanting to get the inspiration of a paddle on the lake um, or getting out on the bay.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add about state parks? So what's the reason for a 20 million dollar recommendation?
1: Maine has under-invested in the maintenance of its state parks for decades. This goes back before the previous administration to earlier administrations. It's just something that um, we collectively have not kept up with, and so the task force in looking at that question of are we taking care of the conserved lands we already have said, when it comes to state parks, no. If we want to be ready for the future, if we want a tourism industry that you know we, where we can hold up our state parks as jewels, and you know the facilities are appealing and people are going to come and they're going to enjoy them, Maine citizens and folks from away we need to do some investing. The 20 million, I will say, is the first of what probably needs to be several of those bond issues. Consulting with the folks running the state parks program, this seemed like a reasonable number to come up with. There is clearly a backlog of maintenance which will easily absorb this amount.
0: Sure, but I mean, $20 million is a good start then, if you think about the size Tw- of the backlog. I think $20
1: million mm-hmm. is a good start.
0: Sure. And I guess we can conclude the conversation then just by looking ahead. You know, what are your hopes, and I'm sure this is informed not just from your time on the task force, but also just throughout your career, what are your hopes for the future of land conservation in Maine?
1: I think that Maine... Maine citizens have always really treasured their sense of connection to the natural heritage of the state. It's why many, if not most people, live in Maine. There are easier places to live than Maine. (laughs) Um, But that opportunity to be in the outdoors, to make a living in the outdoors, or to just enjoy it and be inspired by it is really deep, deep value in Maine. Land conservation is one of the premier ways to address that deep need, that deep value, deeply held value. And I think I'm very excited about what land conservation can do for this state. We've had a wonderful past 20 years, a little bit of a lull in the last few, but I think there are numerous opportunities for some substantial gains. I think we can hold on to the spirit and character of this state in part through land conservation in ways that we can, with a very good conscience, pass on to our children and grandchildren. And I think people will feel good about that. And I think they understand that need.
0: Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Always the right question. I guess the only other thing I would add is that I was deeply impressed by the level of commitment of the other task force members sure. who brought their perspectives, their thoughts, their concerns to the table. We were not always in agreement, but there was a commitment to the greater good. And I just, I would express my appreciation to every task force member, to every member of the public who commented, um, to the experts who donated you know, their time, uh, and really there's an offering here to the people of the state that we think will be to everybody's benefit.
0: And I, I would just ask then, you know, if people are listening to this conversation and they want to learn more about the task force and read this report, what could they do?
1: Uh, there is a website, of course, mainlandconservationtaskforce.org. The report uh, and it, all of its recommendations are posted on that site. There is a set of legislation, not all of which is published yet, um, but the Land for Maine's Future bond bill is and Park bond bill is LD nine eleven. one. Nine
0: one
1: one. That was not intentional. Um,
0: but it catches the attention. But it does catch
1: the attention. That's right. <laughs> there are other pieces of legislation out there, and I'm sure we will we will have all that legislation posted on the website. There are public hearings that will happen um it'll be important for people to be in touch with their local legislators as i said this is not a partisan issue there is already bipartisan support for this legislation and so you know i hope people pay attention and
0: participate thank you so much tim for coming onto our podcast and thanks for all of your work with the task force for our listeners thank you for joining us You can learn more about the task force and read its final report by visiting their website, which is MaineConservationTaskForce.com. If you'd like to learn more about Land for Maine's future, you can visit our website at nrcm.org. And please stay tuned for our forthcoming episodes with Senator Kathy Breen and Representative Pat Corey. I spoke with each of them about their experiences participating on the task force to hear what it was like. We also talked about how LMF affects the districts that they represent. So listen to those other episodes, which are coming soon. Thanks.